Hi, everybody. This is Leah Kearney. Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Women Crush Wednesdays podcast. We have a couple bite-sized interviews for you today that are part of our cross-border collaboration series, where we connect with members of our sister women in film chapters in different parts of the country and the world. A little later in the podcast, we've got a great interview from January Green with producer Carletta S. Hurt. She's a dual member of the DC and Atlanta Women in Film chapters, and they're going to be talking about her lifestyle reality show, Trash vs. Treasure, on UMC. But first up, I had the chance to speak with multi-hyphenate artist Dina Faye Gilmore. She's a director, filmmaker, screenwriter, photographer, and four-time best-selling author, And she's also the founder of Empowerment Productions 33 LLC, which showcases multimedia projects supporting women, minorities, and the LGBTQ community. Enjoy. Hi, Dina. Welcome to the podcast. As I learned more about uh, your projects, your production company, uh, I thought the subject of collaboration is something you know a lot about. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And it would be great to hear your insights because not only are you working on a documentary film right now, which is a collaboration with so many multimedia artists, now that we're all navigating this world of quarantine and the global pandemic, I'm curious to know how collaboration influences your work in general and how specifically during this time it's maybe changed or evolved over the last several months. It's definitely more challenging since the pandemic because everything is remote. So I'm having to guide people how to film themselves, you know, look at your lighting, look at your backdrop. There's so many dynamics, as you know, being in film that go with it. I can't be in New York, which are some of the people that are participating. I can't be in California with some of the participants. So it's trusting in them. And if I need to direct them in a way of, well, this was really dark. We would love to be able to see your face, you know, things like that instead (laughs) of me doing the actual filming. But um, with all that being said, pre-COVID or pre-pandemic, what I really learned is I can't do everything myself, which I did try on my first film because there just wasn't enough available people. I hadn't networked. I was still full-time in college. And this was a lot of the feedback that I had gotten was you really got to network. you got to meet other people so that you don't feel like you're doing everything yourself because it's impossible. It will run you in the ground. So long Mm. story short is through that. And I've collaborated before, you know, when I had my um, radio show for years, I collaborated with some of the other artists and we would cross pollinate and be on each other's shows. So I really enjoyed Mm. that. So I reflected on that because everything I do is really about self-reflection because I want to grow as a person and leave a positive impact. And so with collaborating, I noticed that we each get to grow. It makes me a better artist And I'm very coachable. Like I love feedback, even though I I usually take Mm. the role as director. Everybody knows when I'm on a project, I value feedback from any artist that's involved. As long as you're not really jacking with production and our timeline, that then messes with finances. If you really got a great idea, I'm really open for the artist to share so that we can make it more collaborative. So It just helps everybody, I think, as far as like the way I like to run my business. It's called Empowerment Productions for a reason. I want everyone to feel they're empowered and that they were inspired by the project or they enjoyed working together. So that really sings to my soul. You're based in the Denver, Colorado area since 2012. And I'm just curious if you can share with our listeners what are 
What are some of the things you love about working in the Denver area? Maybe some of the challenges? I, um, I love Denver so much because it's a conglomerate of a lot of transplants. Hardly anyone is from here. Um, and people move here for a lot of the same reasons. So I moved here after my partner and I had split um, after six years. And I spent my entire life always making sure everyone else was okay and taking care of people. I was the stepmom. I was the, you know, babysitter. I, I was the everything to my family. And I had given up my art dreams because due to our programming, our family originally generated from farmers and it was all about physical labor. And so I've done mm. that my whole life. And so after 20 years of massage, being a therapist for 20 years, I was like, I still want to contain or have my healing abilities, but I want to go back to my original dreams of art. So I went back to college, just graduated in May with that. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. With that, uh, it was literally the best decision I made for myself because the move to Colorado in 2012 was to have a life for me. And the only person I knew here was my best friend. She's like, come and stay with us. See if you like it. Well, of course I fell in love with it because it's a really active community here. There are thriving artists here. If I was in California, it's saturated. It's very saturated. And wow. it really is about who you know. And I wanted to create something from the ground up that was really heart and soul based using my past of being a healer. So I think I've done that. And I'm really happy with that. Congratulations. Thank you. And, and that's something um, we're almost out of time, but I just wanted to ask you because your work intersects so much with your passions for, for filmmaking and photography, but also your background as a healer and your interest in, in telling stories that have a act as a kind of visual healing. Can you speak a little bit about how those different talents and, and passions <laughs> intersect for you? Sure. I'm a trained shamanic practitioner. So practitioner is just out of respect for indigenous shamans. So a lot of what I do is I've, I set the foundation through intention or energy. It just depends on, you know, what kind of audience you're speaking to. And so for me, every project I do, it comes from a heart of, I want this expansion. I want growth. I want healing. I want love. Everything for me comes back to love of another person, of my world we're living in, whatever it may be. Even though there's trials, tribulations, you, you can work through those because we're only born with love. We teach each other fear. So for because of George is a prime example of the heinous murder that we witness and all the murders that have been done to uh, the black community, it, it has to stop. And so what I set for a foundation is I want everybody that will watch this documentary to start to feel within themselves the change they can make, the change they can be to be able to heal this over 400 year history of white systemic racism. And it's not about to blame people. It's not to make people wrong. It really is because of my energy work that I do that everyone who watches it can feel an opportunity for themselves to heal or move beyond what they know in their day-to-day -day life. Because it really is we're spiritual beings in a human body having in this experience, but we're spiritual beings first. So mm -hmm. it's really a combination of mind, body, spirit, soul that I work really well, you know, with people. And I still do my shamanic work um, on the side for clients and things like that. But it's really been a focus for me to put all that energy into filmmaking, into every photo I take, every project I do. So it's just been a passion. 
Well, it's, it's, I feel like we need it now in our world more than ever. So thank you. Thank you for doing everything you're doing. Thank you for joining (laughs) us on the podcast today. My pleasure. Yeah. I just want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work. Empowermentproductions33.com is the website for Dina's production company. You can find out about um, her other film, Baby in the Basement, which is in the film festival circuit right now. You can learn more about her documentary, Because of George, the film.com. And people can also follow you on social media. Uh, we'll, we'll include the links. Um, Thank you. For your yeah Instagram as well. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Dina, for uh, joining us and talking about collaboration. Really appreciate that our world, despite all of the <laughs> insanity that's going on right now, that it's gotten a little bit smaller and that we're able to forge these connections that you know we might not otherwise have done. So yeah, absolutely. thanks for joining us thanks, today. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. We're going to take a brief pause here for a sponsor, and we'll be right back after the break. Today, I have the pleasure of award-winning producer Carletta S. Hurd to learn more about her role as producer on UMC's lifestyle reality show, Trash vs. Treasure, which flips the living space on a micro-budget and helps clients reimagine what is in plain sight. Thanks so much for getting together with me to discuss your latest project. Oh, thank you, Jamie. So excited to be here. We we really appreciate it, myself and Victoria. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, I, I know there's so many renovation shows on TV, but this one truly stood out to me because of its focus on mm-hmm. helping guests that may not have the means to do so otherwise. What inspired the creation of Trash versus Treasure? Um, honestly, it was Victoria, and if you don't know much about her, Victoria well grew up in foster care most of her life, and she grew up learning how to make something out of nothing and being creative with what she had. And so, and growing up and recognizing, and even working in Hollywood, and she was a single mom going through that life and experiences, just recognizing how home is a place that you want some peace and solace. And when she began to think about a show that could kind of merge her interior design background, she's um, independently trained, she was featured in Old Magazine about her interior design, taking that, her love of, like, women and mothers who support their children, and showing them they're appreciated. And so Trash for This Treasure became this space and outlet to do that, to recognize these working moms who are living at or below the poverty line and giving their home some dignity by refurbishing their bedroom so that they can really, you know, love the place they they sleep in. Absolutely. And what's the selection process like as far as determining who enlists as a client? Um, so the client is, is a couple of factors. One, um, of course, location is important. We had two families in Los Angeles and one in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, Victoria does a lot of work. Uh, our, our products are, do, are a lot of our products come out of Jamaica, work in Jamaica, and so um, looking for mothers who um, were multiple children, you know, living in small spaces, having some sort of adversity in their life, was also. Um, one of the criteria, and then accessibility, like being open to us coming into your space and participating in the process. That was really important for um, the show is that the families had to participate in helping us identify um, what they already have that we could refurbish Mm -hmm. and maybe remold into something they could use. And that was really it. And just finding, and Victoria did a lot of interviews 
and just really trying to find our best, you know, um, families who will really appreciate this opportunity. Got it. And you mentioned that the first two episodes were in the United States and the third mm-hmm. episode was in Kingston, Jamaica. Can you describe the logistics behind that, uh, working with an international client? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> A lot of time, a lot of time, a lot of time. I think the large and, and the blessing is that we did it before COVID hit. It was like one right. of those just divine pieces of inspiration that Victoria was like, "Let's do this. Let's make this happen." Like, okay, let's go. Um, right. So not in having a centralized team to go with her. I did not go to Jamaica, and so they spent a lot of time there beforehand. So we did. I want to say she did a couple of trips prior to the actual filming to identify the families and partners and working with who we could kind of lean on to help with, like, furniture and uh, repairs, because that also is a whole other process, right, identifying right. the contractors can make things happen in a short amount of time. And also okay. finding a partner to house the family while we're, you know, doing the renovation. So a lot of it was really the pre-work and the identifying of, like, four, I think four to five individuals that we took to Kingston, Jamaica with Victoria to support the production from the design team to support staff to the administration. So I think prior to even landing in Jamaica, a lot of it was done remotely, and then right. she herself went, I think, two trips um, and sold solo to scout, meet the family before cameras even got over there. But we also made a commitment to the Jamaican government to use their the, the team, so our editors from there, the camera crew. So we also want to reinvest in that community as well, and not just bring, you know, everything from the states and pay them to put up. It was also important right. we create that partnership that they understand right. we're, we're committed to their professionals and giving them work, pay work, you know. Right. So that was a large part of the process of being um, in Jamaica. Okay. And speaking of COVID-19, how I know that's affected the production. Um, is there any timeline as to when you'll be back in production? Wow, as soon as possible. So we were yeah. blessed that UMC um, uh, purchased three episodes. So the three episodes that okay. you see that are currently running, and we're hoping that more people that watch, if you're listening, please go watch, um, write in, so you love the show and let them know how much it is needed. And we are ready to start as soon as we can find a, a, a budget and families who are willing to. But we are, we are very committed to being conscious of COVID. And, like, so some of the things we were able to do before COVID we probably can't do, you know. So right. the moving of furniture, the in the space with the, all the family members, like that's going to have to be a different kind of process. There might be some okay. bubble um, mechanisms in place where they're vacated for, you know, a week to kind of give it a chance to kind of, you know, right. air itself out. But we're looking at those and being very conservative when it comes to budget, but also realistic mm-hmm. in that we want to make sure. But we do want to continue filming. Our goal is to get three to six more episodes done. So we're just right. waiting for support from UMC and our other um, investors who are um, looking to support the program. But Victoria already has a, a nice long list of interested families. We've gotten some okay. a lot of responses from it being on the air and the support that UMC has given to us. Um, they're a part of the AMC family, and then we're also on Amazon Prime. So that has been helpful. So at this point, we're ready to go. We have some things in place we want to consider. Um, but the real 
question would become once it's greenlit, you know, what does it look like in that COVID space? Like how much space and opportunity can we have in the family home to still do the makeover, reconstruction, refurbishing in a way that makes sense to make the show still work? You know, I can feel the joy Victoria expresses as she's shopping for furniture and accent pieces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in stores like Ikea and Home Depot and also in thrift stores and from independent vendors. How have store managers greeted you and the production crew when you're filming in their establishments? Oh, they're definitely excited. Again, Victoria, if you've never met her, she is warm and biting, personable. Like, she's everybody's friend. Like, and right. she's so – it's a regular person, and I think right. that's what comes across when anybody meets her. And so we've been really fortunate, and even some surprises. Like, people hear about it, um, have been in, in, invited themselves to participate. I think the best part about Kingston, Jamaica, is because it is a smaller – country in a sense that, you know, this production was a pretty big deal for them. It was a, you know, a nice kind of like feather in their cap. So being able to pull those resources together to support this family. And even I think it's one episode, Victoria is like passes by a bookshelf on her way to yoga class and she turns around and, and gets it. And so she's able to get that and get some, some individuals on the street to help her. Like that's how it is when she goes into an establishment to meet management okay. and talk about, hey, this is what we're doing. And she wants to engage and involve them. Like this is a product for all of us. And I think that's what's been our biggest um, uh, crossing the bridge to get people to support is that she wants to engage them in every aspect of the production so that they understand this is not just me coming in for this really cute little, you know, home makeover show. We really are changing lives. We're really giving some dignity to these homes of these women who are living really at or below the poverty level. Right. And one of my favorite quotes from the show is, everyone deserves beauty no matter where they land. Memories or lessons will you cherish the most from helping clients reimagine their space? Um, I think the what I, I have gained the most from this experience is just knowing that people well, one, it's, one, it's two, part, two parts. One is that people are really struggling and that right. they are still happy. They are still doing everything they can. They're loving their family in the midst of all that's happening. And you can only imagine what that's like to still give your children what they need the best way you can. Like the mother who was sharing the bed so that her oldest son could have his own, like, and the sacrifices they make. So I think that has warmed my heart that we can help them while making a sacrifice be comfortable and ex- ex- give them a chance to live a better life in that one space, right? So that, that's what's right. great for me, that we are supporting them in that sacrifice but giving them a way to still sacrifice but live a little bit live, live more comfortably, you know, just a little bit. So I think that's what's most important because your home is your sanctuary. And that's um, important. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you, Carlotta, for speaking with me today. And I encourage our audience to check out Trash vs. Treasure on the Urban Movie Channel. Thanks for tuning in today. If you are a member of another Women in Film and Television chapter and you'd like to be featured as part of our cross-border collaboration series, reach out to us 
at communications at nywift.org. We would love to hear about what's happening with you and in your community. And if you have a story about your experiences working in film and television, we'd love to hear that too. Um, We're always looking for stories to feature on upcoming episodes of the podcast. So feel free to reach out to us and share those, either an audio recording, we ask that be kept to around five minutes, or a written submission, which we ask uh, to be about two pages. You can send either one to communications at nywif.org. And of course, names and project titles can be kept anonymous upon request. Um, Finally, if you're enjoying the show, feel free to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We'd love to connect and uh, with more people, and it's a great way to help people find the show. Thanks again. Take care. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.